Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 24. The parking lot was half empty. Shadow parked the red Toyota and went inside. The air was thick with smoke, and walking after midnight was playing on the jukebox. Shadow looked around for the crocodiles, but could not see them. He wondered if the woman in the gas station had been pulling his leg. What'll it be? asked the bartender. You Jack? It's Jack's night off. I'm Paul. Hi, Paul. House beer and a hamburger with all the trimmings. No fries. Bowl of chili to start? Best chili in the state. Sounds good, said Shadow. Where's the restroom? The man pointed to the door in the corner of the bar. There was a stuffed alligator head mounted on the door. Shadow went through the door. It was a clean, well-lit restroom. Shadow looked around the room first. Force of habit. Remember, Shadow, you can't fight back when you're pissing, Loki said. Loki is always in the back of his head. He took the urinal stall on the left, then he unzipped his fly and pissed for an age, relaxing, feeling relief. He read the yellowing press clipping framed at eye level, with a photo of Jack and two alligators. There was a polite grunt from the urinal immediately to his right, although he had heard nobody come in. The man in the pale suit was bigger standing than he had seemed sitting on the plane beside Shadow. He was almost Shadow's height, and Shadow was a big man. He was staring ahead of him. He finished pissing, shook off the last few drops, and zipped himself up. Then he grinned, like a fox eating shit from a barbed wire fence. So, said Mr. Wednesday, you've had time to think, Shadow. Do you want a job? That's our page. Here's Wednesday, but he was on the plane when it took off. How did he get here? Also, it's Jack's Crocodile Bar, and there are lots of mentions of alligators. You would think I would have noticed that before this reading. And then you would also think that I would make notes about the differences between crocodiles and alligators, but I didn't. One's amphibious and one's not, maybe? I don't know. My zoo book subscription lapsed about 25 to 30 years ago. So this is the uh, end of the first chapter from Shadow's perspective. We have a few extra pages where we meet a new character to take us through the end of the chapter. And the first thing I noticed upon reading the page was that there's smoke in this bar. And it's it's hard for me to remember that you could actually smoke in bars and restaurants. I know in Massachusetts they had outlawed it before I was of legal drinking age, which would have been 2004. Or had they? I don't know. I didn't hang out in bars. I guess I don't know for sure. But I thought they had done so. The description is the air is thick with smoke, and it definitely reminds me of some of the restaurants I used to go to as a kid where you sat in the no-smoking section, but there was still smoke. Um, if King of America was not an explicit reference to Elvis Costello, we have our first overt song reference, Walking After Midnight, 1957, Patsy Cline. It's appropriate, and it's really inspired. It's not referencing Shadow being out after midnight, although he may be. Do I get into it? Okay. I know I've done a few spoiler warnings already. We're only jumping ahead by about 15 or 20 pages, but spoiler warning for something that's going to be coming up very shortly. 
please pause this podcast and finish chapter two. It's it's tipping the hand to Laura coming back from the dead and walking after midnight to Shadow's motel room. It's a bit on the nose, but it's also not on the nose yet, so it's really good foreshadowing. It's really clever, and I would not have picked up on that small detail without Tor.com's reread and Tor.com's American Gods jukebox. So big tip of the hat to them for the wonderful work they do over there by Bridget McGovern. Thank you, Bridget McGovern, for your wonderful work. I like Shadow adjusting to life outside of prison. He sweeps the restroom for threats, and he doesn't see anything, and then he also realizes that he's not in prison anymore. The delicious irony of the situation is, however, that there is a threat, and it's Mr. Wednesday. He seems to just appear at the urinal immediately adjacent to Shadow, which is just really shitty restroom etiquette, you know? You don't just piss at the next urinal. If there's an open space, you move over one. It's just polite. As Shadow is flashing back to his prison time, he hears Loki in his head and describes the whisper, mm, the whispering itself as Loki, which... It's not subtle. It seems like every mention becomes less subtle. But, like I said before, I didn't pick up on it the first time I read the book in 2007? 8? So the first two gods we really meet in the book are Loki and Odin. Both from the North Panth... North... Wow. Both from the Norse Pantheon and not the original residents of the United States pre-America. I was trying to poke around some more because I had this revelation, and it looks like the Norsemen may have landed as far south as Newfoundland in the northern Atlantic, but other than a lot of faked petroglyphs and inscriptions on stones and things were supposedly discovered throughout areas like Rhode Island, Fall River, Massachusetts had a small section of faked or possibly faked Norse items. And uh, both of that, both uh, Fall River and uh, Newport, Rhode Island, were mentioned in a Longfellow poem published in 1841. But it seems like a lot of modern science points to these either being hoaxes or mistakenly labeled. So... It's just an odd choice, I guess, for Neil to lead with that. There's the Buffalo Man who, in theory, would be representative of America as a whole or the spirit of America or something similar. And I guess he's a god of a sort. But he doesn't show up. He doesn't manifest in the real world like like Wednesday and Loki and a lot of the other gods and goddesses we meet do. I don't know. I'm just talking out loud at this point. The line, like a fox eating shit from a barbed wire fence, is a really odd turn of phrase. I don't think I made a note of it previous to this. It's certainly evocative, and it's very much a reference to a shit-eating grin. There was a thread at neilgamingboard.com noting that it's a reference to uh, English author Robert Nye, who used a similar phrase in his book, Merlin from the 1970s, where a character's grin is described as being like a fox eating shit off a wire brush, which, ugh, 
I get shit eating grin. I I do, but I, I guess I don't know why a fox is eating shit. I've read enough T.S. Eliot to know that sometimes literary allusions are weird and really hard to understand, and also maybe even Latin. This is at least in English, so I don't have to translate it. I guess I'm just going to have to go ponder that somewhere. I don't know, man. I got nothing. The next two episodes are where we're really going to hit the limits on our uh, explicit warning. So, be forewarned. Starting with page 25, things get a bit hot and heavy. Maybe a bit, well, a bit sexually explicit. So... Keep an eye on your kids and your dogs, and if you're like me, your bat that's also occupying your garage space. Although I don't see him now. Maybe I'm free. Is there something I missed? Or is there some reason you want to get in touch with me? As long as it's not money, you can email me at the world beyond the page. Nope. Not that one. The world beyond the tail at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. I'd like to say thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme. Thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow for another page. And remember, only the gods are real.